And welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Go Be Wyoming. I'm your host, Aaron Gray, and I've got Zach Gale with me. And we're sitting down with the owner, Tim Brand, Brands. Barnes. Just Barnes, wow. <laughs> I think the beer's kicking in. Sorry. Tim, Tim Barnes at Blacktooth Brewery. We're in the Sheridan Tap Room. Um, Tim, thanks for letting us come in and, and sit down and hang out. Yeah, welcome. It's fun to be a part of your, your uh, podcast. Thank you. And uh, I should mention we've got Charlie Roberts producing over there. Hello. Um, he's helping us out. And uh, Tim, it was a little... That quiet thing, we've got an intro music. If we had headphones, you would have heard the music. So that's why it was like that weird, like 20 second <laughs> awkward. Yeah. And so, but uh, do we have any hair metal in there or any? What was in the intro music? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty rock and it's, roll. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. Um, I, I hope it wasn't any of that soft elevator music that you tend to hear in between uh, commercial breaks. No, we're, we're Wyoming guys. We wouldn't do that to you. Um, so, Tim, I want to start off with um, just give a background on yourself and then we will kind of do, you know, run through the history of Blacktooth sure. a little bit. Uh, so I I uh, moved to Sheridan when I was very young, two years old, uh, went to high school in Sheridan, graduated in 92, uh, went off to college uh, in Bozeman, spent the better part of my formative years as a freshman, three or four of them as a freshman skiing routinely, <laughs> uh, managed to make my way out of school in five years. Um, graduated from Montana state in 97 and, uh, immediately wanted to come back home, wanted to be in Sheridan, sold cars, ironically for hammer Chevrolet right next door, uh, in January of 98. And then, uh, went out on my own and, uh, went to work for a, a computer retail store for a little bit. Uh, micro 2000 was the name of it. If anybody listening remembers that, that computer store, we were there for a bit and then opened up Sheridan computer, uh, would have been about the spring of 2000 and 2000 i think okay. uh, i can't remember the exact year but we we had it for seven or eight years and then um in 2010 early in 2010 we acquired the property that we're in now uh july 4th was actually the the day that we took ownership of it and uh started the brewery opened in november of 2010 and uh have been we just had our 10th anniversary yep. like two and a half three weeks ago so uh, i've been married for 20 years i have a daughter that's 12 she goes to school at the junior high this year so uh given the circumstances it's it's fun to have a, a young child in the in the school system with all the additional restrictions and sure and precautions and things that are going on but uh she she was born here and uh, my wife uh, has been we like i said been married for 20 years so happily living in sheridan is a family man and and brewery owner it's been been a pretty good run thus far that's awesome yeah. so you and zach got a little connection zach's yeah. finishing up uh his degree at, at bozeman too yep yes so there's no grizzly fans at this table right correct? yes that's correct. correct yeah <laughs> somebody asked me once the grizzlies were in the playoffs and the, the cats had been eliminated they said oh come on you got to cheer for the grizzlies they're in the big sky conference and i said i don't think i could cheer for the grizzlies they're playing iraq <laughs> so uh, no cheers for the go yep. grizz around here oh, guys yeah. I get thrown out of the brewery for being yeah, those fans. That's, oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, well, and then I don't want to don't want to make Tim sound old, but he was naming off when he graduated high school and all this stuff. So I don't want. I probably shouldn't say how. <laughs> oh, old you can't. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's becoming more and more evident that that's true. That I'm uh, beyond my years as a, as a business owner. But um, it's been like I said, ten years in the brewery's been great. Um, we haven't, uh, you know. It, I couldn't ask for anything more. The reception in Sheridan initially was very uh, reluctance, not the good, good word to use, but hesitant. People didn't quite gather what we were trying to do as just a brewery. It had never been done here before. And um, it was, a, we were, we were ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of early adopter. Uh, people thought, you know, if you don't have a restaurant in here and people running around with plates in their hands, it's not going to work. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I understood that. Um, we always felt very confident that would it be okay. And if we made good beer and, and provided a, a good atmosphere, uh, that we could be successful. So, um, early adopter, you know, it was something that, uh, people weren't quite familiar with, but I had seen it work and, uh, really thought that, that Sheridan was ready in 2010 for, for something like this model. And, and turned out we were right. Yeah, go on that thread because I um, I was talking to somebody uh, this morning regarding you were ahead of the, you know you guys were ahead of the curve you know um, the microbreweries didn't really take off until probably like two, 2012, 2013 and you guys had been already established yeah, so talk about that yeah, yeah. we uh, when we got our microbrew permit um, the number was eight fifty eight meaning that we were the eight hundred fifty eighth brewery in the U S. Um, oh, wow. now there's at last count, I, I'm sure there's been some closures with COVID, but, um, at last count that I, I saw was something like 7,800. So Whoa. 
Uh, there's been almost 10,000 or almost, uh, you know, 10 times the number of, of brewery openings since Blacktooth was founded, uh, even just in Sheridan. You know, we were the first ones and first one that had been here in 10 to 12 years. Um, there was a gentleman named Roger, Roger Posh that, that had a brewery here, but he couldn't sell at retail. He had to do tastings and accept donation for bratwurst or something. It was a, it was a different model from a statute perspective when Roger did um, what I believe was called the Wyoming Brewing Company. I can't remember specifically what the name of it was, but but other than Roger, we were the first ones since Sheridan Beer, and we can we can get into the Sheridan Beer phenomenon a little bit as well. Um, but it was it, again, nobody was familiar with what we were doing. Um, we were we we thought again thought if we could make really good beer and uh, provide a, a welcoming environment, um, maybe do some live music, try and try and be community oriented, do some some pint night uh, nonprofit. We call them nonprofit Tuesdays where we let a group come in, a nonprofit group if they're bored and and some of their members come in and, and uh, put up stuff on the tables, flyers. They can sell cookies, bake sale, silent auction. There's been a lot of different models that we've run through here, but, but we have an opportunity for them to um, you know, showcase what it is their cause is and, and earn a little money, uh, on the side. So we've, we've found really good success with that. And I think people in Sheridan feel like we're a, a fixture in the, in the downtown landscape. And that was always, you know, one of the, I don't know if you call them goals, but one of the things that you, you hope to find is in my mind was to be a, an iconic Wyoming brand. And, and, uh, in order to do that, not again, not from a place of arrogance, from a very humble spot. This is where I grew up. This is where I want to live. And, right. and I want people that are from here to associate black tooth with something that they're proud of. Uh, what I didn't realize is that that iconic status is even greater to uphold than it was to obtain it. Uh, now, every time somebody comes in, it's, you got to be on display and be prepared for, right. for what their expectations are. And they, they grow all the time, which is good. It's, it keeps our staff sharp. For yep. sure. Absolutely. So was that your, um, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. Um, so you were working over here next door. Yep. You know, did you have like a light bulb moment looking at this space and you're like, you know, that'd be a really cool spot for something. <laughs> or did you yeah. knew right away that it was like, no, um, I, I was funny. I, I sat down and, and I actually sold my interest in shared computer to my partner. Um, I either needed to get out of his way or he needed to get out of mine. And, <laughs> and uh, he was far better suited to be the one that's that left and it's been successful since. So um, I he approached me and and we parted ways and I really was afforded, you know, six or eight months to try and figure out what I wanted to do next. And and uh, I, I knew I wanted I knew I wanted to be in Sheridan downtown specifically, again, referencing that this is where I grew up and, and what where I wanted to raise a family. And at the time I had a, had a two-year-old daughter and I right. knew I wasn't leaving Sheridan. So I, I knew I wanted to be in Sheridan and, and downtown specifically. Um, I, it was important to me to find a career that was fun. Um, you, you have no idea what it's like to be in the tech world and, and have grandma lost her files or pictures. She can't send an email. Some accounting firm has their network go down on tax day. They, every time the phone rang, somebody was extremely frustrated and upset. No one ever called and said, man, this is the best computer I've ever bought. <laughs> best right. purchase I've ever made. There are a handful of guys that learned how to communicate with their friends, older folks that, that really were very appreciative of the, of the work that you did, but it wasn't, it wasn't a fun career. It was lucrative and, and we did well, but uh, it wasn't a fun occupation. So right. I knew I wanted it to be fun. And again, like I said, like I said before, I, I was really looking for something that, that, Wyoming and Sheridan uh, intentionally could could latch themselves onto as an iconic brand. There's not a lot of things in in the Sheridan area that you. I mean, the Powderhorn is iconic and King Ropes is iconic. But you, you know, my dad uh, built an insurance agency in in Sheridan over the course of 40 years, but it was never referred to as our insurance agency. It's it's referred to as our brewery all the time, and it's a it's a very endearing term that yep. that people use as for Blacktooth Brewing Company as being out. We wanted to bring Uncle Joe to our brewery and and show him where where the beer's made. And, uh, you know, I, we found that it was, it was intentional. It was always going to be a commercial entity. We were always going to try and, and grow this thing as a business. It wasn't a graduated homebrew setup and a couple of guys trying to make a career out of where their passion was at. And that's not wrong. It's just, we were going to build this and, and spent the capital required to be a, a commercial entity. And I think that was a, a, a degree of separation right from the, from the start yeah, for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Zach, do you have any questions? Yeah. So I was going to ask you, you know, you talked about in the 10 years, there was kind of this, people had to warm up to the idea of what a brewery is, you know, in Sheridan. And, um, but we've talked about the, the success and the trailblazing side of it. So what about some expansion? Uh, <laughs> we've always done that. <laughs> we've been, that's been a, a constant fluid, uh, problem and, and excite a level of excitement for us. You know, we, we bought, a 10 barrel brew house with four 10 barrel fermenters. So our, our cellar had a, a production capacity of 40 barrels. Um, we immediately knew in January or February of 2011 that we were not going to be able to keep up with the demand of this particular tap room and some of the requests to distribute our products throughout Northeast Wyoming without adding a couple of additional fermenters. So we immediately doubled the amount of, of fermentation space that we had. Wow. Again, the original business plan was a 10 barrel system brewing beer one day a week was 520 barrels a year. We could keep shoes on our kids and, and try and keep the lights on. Sure. We managed to do, I want to say 940 barrels the first year. Uh, so we eclipsed that by almost twice what, what our, yep. we were anticipating. Yeah. We had to buy more kegs. We had to, we had to do a lot of stuff infrastructure wise to try and keep up with the, with the, the demand. And, and, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of brew days. We had to hire some additional help and, uh, we scrambled. And I, I look back on those days, especially recently with it being our 10th anniversary, but I look back on some of those days fondly. It was fun to dig out the mash tun with the plastic shovel and we were washing kegs and it was a, it was a real connected collective team effort. And, and when you only have three employees and, and two girls working in the tap room, it's, you're pretty tight. Pretty yeah. close. <laughs> um, it's, it still feels like that at times, but, um, overall it's, uh, it's different with, with 31 employees. So yeah. back to your question, not to, not to get derailed there, but we, uh, so that was 2011. We added two 20 barrel fermenters and a 20 barrel bright tank. Uh, that took our capacity to 1,320 barrels for 2011, 2012. It's our first, second full year of, of production. Uh, we then turned around, around and barely caught our breath in 2012, and we ordered a, a canning line. Um, we thought we, did, we better have a product in package, which we were, again, very early to that. I think we were, I want to say, the 15th or 18th uh, canning line from Wild Goose canning systems and they've they've got canning lines all over the world now and we're we're one of their favorites in terms of again being an early adopter of of that particular product everybody wanted to know why we weren't doing bottles now everybody's in cans so it was uh, we were a little <laughs> bit groundbreaking in that regard yep uh in order to do cans and, and utilize the canning line we had to add four more 20 barrel fermenters and an additional 20 barrel bright tank so we again doubled our our fermentation capacity over what we previously had um we, we learned, again, the hard way that we didn't have enough beer to put <laughs> beer into cans. So we essentially shut down and decommissioned our Wild Goose canning line for almost 11 months before we added some additional fermentation space in order to get uh, cans back into the market. We, and we were only selling them in our taproom. We hadn't done any distribution of cans. We were, we were responsive and, and certainly um, wanting to protect the draft handles and the draft business that we had out in the market. Mm -hmm. And we felt like if we were going to run out of stock, we wanted to run out of stock in cans, not necessarily sure. in the draft business, which is more difficult to, to obtain. It was a smart business decision to, to follow that path. But um, so that gets us through 2013. We started construction on the, on the expanded portion of this building in 2014. And then in June of 2015, completed the 30 barrel four vessel, uh, brew house with six 90 barrel fermenters and 220 barrel fermenters. It took us from 4,300 barrels in 2014 to almost 8,500 in 2015. Wow. Uh, so last year we've kind of contracted our footprint. So that was the last of our expansions from a volume perspective. Sure. Right. Um, we didn't pause long in 2018. We started to look at, uh, the, a second location. So our, our Cheyenne tap room, that process began and we acquired the property very late in 2018. And then in 2019 began construction on our Cheyenne tap room that was completed and sparkling and ready to, to send out to the masses on March 15th in conjunction with St. Patrick's day, only to learn we were going to be closed for 60 days due to COVID. So we've never done it the easy way, but the Cheyenne location has been a, a great, there's been a great response in that city. Um, we, we've again, focused our model a little differently on, 
on trying to be inside of Wyoming's borders. And we, we expanded our distribution footprint all the way to Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Kalispell, Montana. Uh, we looked at a couple of places in Iowa. Um, wow. We were trying to grow as fast as we could. And, and we learned, again, rather expensively that uh, the further away from home you get, the more difficult it is to sell your product. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you've got 92 medals at national, international competition. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar less a six pack. In Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, if it doesn't have a corn husker on the can, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. It, you can hang 35 medals on a, on a beer at at the world beer cup the great american beer festival and numerous other places and and it just and sell it for a dollar less they don't care yep <laughs> you could sell garbage beer at a dollar more if it's got a corn husker on it they're yep. gonna buy it so yeah, sure. <laughs> the loyalty and the affection and the and the the dedication that wyoming has given to blacktooth that we're so dependent on and very appreciative of is the same in every other market you guys are out on the street selling beer because it's their it's their brother's brewery or their wife's their brother-in-law's brewery or their girlfriend's sister's cousin owns a brewery in Omaha. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. They don't care about Sheridan's beer or the quality of it. We've been fortunate to be uh, decorated with so many medals over the last decade that, that uh, it's remarkable. I don't know that there's too many breweries in the country that, that can boast that they've got, you know, 91 medals, 92 medals. Um, we just won three more at the U.S. Open last week, so I guess I probably ought to bump that to like 95. Um, <laughs> Copper Mule won silver, 13-14 uh, won gold, and I can't remember. Um, and we had a third one. Sorry. <laughs> but it was also a silver medal. So um, nice. we've, again, it, medals don't sell beer, right. but they certainly they, they provide some notoriety and yep. guys that follow craft beer and are, are dedicated to, to, uh, trying new and, and, and popular well-received brands is, is, uh, is a big portion of what we look for in terms of our customer base. But it's also, it's also validation for our staff. I mean, they put their beers in the fire and it's their, it, the, their peers are judging those brands. It's all blind. Nobody knows what they're drinking. They go through numerous rounds at the World Beer Cup. They might go through five or six rounds of judging. And then ultimately you get the 12 best beers in front of the five or six judges at a panel. And they belabor the the, the qualities of each beer for an extended period of time. And, and ultimately three of them are awarded gold, silver, and bronze. And, you know, it's it, the feedback you get in the the ability to validate what you're doing in terms of recipe development and fermentation, uh, you know, acceptable fermentation theories and, and your procedures are, are validated by the, the putting those beers into competition, but it really doesn't compute to dollars on the shelf. Frankly. Right. <laughs> well, and talk about that, you know, uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because almost for about five years stretch there, you guys were doubling every year, you know, your production and it's, you know, it's, Obviously, it is like um, a community in here, um, you know, to come in here and hang out and like, shoot, we're in here recording at three o'clock and there's about 10 people in here, you know. And um, so there's obviously, you know, service or a culture um, aspect to it. But I was going to say, like, it's obviously the product and you just mentioned it, all the awards, you know, walk us through that, um, you know, that process of picking a beer. You know, do you guys... Sure. Um, does your staff pick, you know, um, pitch a beer to you guys or how does that kind of work? So we do a number of, of, we, we pilot beers all the time. One of the things that really is attractive about being a brewer in a, in a facility like this one and in a city like this one is you have the ability to create and, and try different things. And there's been beers we've piloted that didn't really turn out very well. There's been beers that have, we've ended up peanut butter porter that got released yesterday and, and will be on draft here soon. If you all will order a Pilsner the next time around, <laughs> um, the uh, the, peanut, <laughs> <laughs> the peanut butter porter was one we we messed around with last fall and and then released on I want to say it was December 21st and we sold every single can out of our tap room in about six days. Oh, wow. So um, it's it's a seasonal beer i don't think you sell peanut butter porter in july but when it's christmas and the holidays right. and everybody's getting getting together with their families and whatnot it's a it's a pretty good beer to have on the shelf so cool um the process is is really just that you know it's it's building very small batches now that we've got our old original 10 barrel system in cheyenne we have the ability to try and pilot on a larger scale uh, we've got three of their beers here 6k pale ale was the first batch of beer in cheyenne 
Uh, I think we've got one half barrel of that beer still here. Um, and I, I believe it's still on tap. I, I can't be sure. But um, we also have their raspberry wheat, which is called Hive 5. It's got uh, some honey in it as a as an added adjunct. Uh, it's been pretty popular. I, I think it smells like it should go on pancakes. But uh, <laughs> and that's good. I, I, my opinion of it, or that's not necessarily my style of beer, uh, but it's been extremely popular in Cheyenne. And, and Thomas, our head brewer down there, is doing a phenomenal job and, and really trying to grab the pulse of, of uh, the market that they're in there. And, and he's got some really cool and exciting stuff coming down the pipe as well. So um, the process is, is not unique. Everybody plays around on a small scale. One of the things that you that you have some difficulty or need to be prepared for is the, it's not a linear scale. It's not like if it's 10 pounds on a one barrel batch, it's a hundred pounds on a 10 barrel batch. It, right. You get a lot of variation in terms of how you scale that up. And when you go from a, you know, a, a 15 gallon pilot batch to a 3,500 gallon full production batch, you get a little bit of uh, variation in flavor. Sure. So <laughs> uh, our guys have worked through that a number of times and we've got it pretty well dialed in, but, uh, there's always re- reiterations of brands and beers as you go through a life cycle of a, of a single beer like Tour Bus, which we had um, last year and this year, changed the flavor profile on it. We added Blood Orange and, uh, um, boy, I'm only a third of the beer. <laughs> we had Blood Orange in the first one. This year we changed it to Grapefruit and had a much different response on that brand. It sure. was a, it was a better beer. We learned a lot from the first one, but yeah. um, again, it's, it's a, uh, it's a process. It's a trial and error. Yeah. Well, and I, sure. uh, Charlie and I actually did take a taste of that. Uh, hunt, um, I think honey or high. It's Steph, our, our GM in Cheyenne is fantastic. And she, she's pretty excited about the name she chooses. So <laughs> hive five That's is right. the name of the beer. Yeah. And, and I, it, you know, I, I don't know if I would, um, it was a little lighter, but, um, it, it, it surprised me. I was, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. And I don't, Charlie, what'd you yeah, think of that? It's one? definitely interesting. For sure. Yeah. 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 It, you know, and again, there's, there's guys that come in here and spit out the IPA and they go, Oh, it's terrible. And I go to that beer time and again as, as the beer I choose. So a lot of it's some guys like blue trucks, some guys like white trucks. It's, doesn't really matter what you know we, you got to provide enough variety for yep, all yeah. for all the uh uh all your demographics so it's we we produce enough beers and have enough variation that it's it takes all kinds i yep. there's beers that we've had in here that i've not been a big fan of <laughs> um, and there's beers that we don't have anymore that i love uh look and blonde is one of my all-time favorite beers and okay. we put it into production and put it into 12 ounce cans and failed miserably to try and keep that brand in the market so it <laughs> my favorite right. beer was a failure <laughs> caught looking yeah caught looking blonde blue yeah. can it's great so i was gonna uh, kind of going back to your distribution <laughs> thing it was funny i went to school one year at shattering state and you guys were out there in, in Podunk, Shattering State, you know, Nebraska. Let's not go back to your age. You were of legal age, I trust, right? Uh, we'll just uh, keep that undisclosed. But uh, um, that's funny because that was actually one of my favorite ones, actually. So maybe you should bring yeah. that back. But well, We um, actually have it on tap. We did we did put it out in 16-ounce nice. cans this summer. Had an overwhelming response. So many people were excited to see that brand back in the market. Uh, or at least back in the tap room. Yep. And uh, I thought, man, where were you at two years ago? We completely derailed that brand profile <laughs> yeah. based on yeah. based on inability to sell. Right, so. right. Um, I want to dive into the story of the Sheridan beer. Okay. Because um, yes. you, you brought up that they were one of the last breweries before you know yeah. Blacktooth came back. So what was that process like? And um, was it a you know, was it a struggle to get the recipe or kind of walk us through that? A sure. Little bit? Um, so as a kid growing up in Sheridan, um, the old Sheridan brewery brewery was on the property where Whitney Commons is now. Okay. So right, right next door to the YMCA, right behind the library, that parcel of land that is such a cool park now, um, was the Sheridan brewing company grounds. And, and my father was part of, uh, Whitney benefits when they, acquired that property. There was a lot of cleanup that needed to be done and nobody really wanted to buy and, and go through the cleanup process to, to put something else back in there commercially. So Whitney Benefits was, uh, uh, the, the city of Sheridan should be extremely grateful for their 
their willingness to go in and take that project on and make that cool community space. But prior to it being a cool park, it was a really cool playground for a 12 or 14 year old kid who'd never managed to fall down an elevator shaft or <laughs> get tetanus from a rusty nail in a building that had broken glass all over it. I mean, it was a, it was falling apart when they tore it down. And, and, uh, I, again, I was always, um, interested my father was a, a history guy and and he actually found a six-pack of bottles that had never seen the light of day at the end of their elevator shaft in the keenan building where century 21 is at now used to okay. be bhj and hub international he found when they when they redid their elevator somebody had left a, intentionally left a full six-pack of shared beer in oh bottles. wow it's up at the museum now but uh so when 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 mark dimple and his brother paul uh, approached us about trying to bring back their family's brand. So uh, Peter Dimple was one of the original guys that basically moved to Sheridan. I, they could tell the history. That'd be a good podcast too. Um, just a just yeah. a plug for oh, another. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Paul I love and, it. Paul and Mark Dimple would be a great great guys to to come in here. But their their family and their great grandfather Peter moved from I want to say Kansas to Sheridan with a couple other guys uh, to start the Sheridan Brewing Company. Uh, one of the guys' name was Shergi, and if you look around some streets in Sheridan, Shergi's one of the names. I mean, yep. it, there wasn't much here when they decided to pack up literally bars of gold and a stagecoach and, and come from Kansas to Sheridan to essentially establish the, the Sheridan. I mean, there was other structures, and John Lauchs and some of the historical figures of, of Sheridan were already established, but it was one of the first legitimate commercial uh, entities in, in the city of Sheridan, and... Uh, they they were uh, blowing going brewery. I mean, give you some perspective. We have we at our peak two years ago. We did ninety five hundred barrels. Okay. The Sheridan Brewing Company in the in the twenties before prohibition shut everything down, or actually, like it would have been right around the turn of the century. They did almost sixty thousand barrels of beer with Whoa. no refrigeration. So they were <laughs> ten times our size, and they didn't have a cooler. Wow. Um, things were different. They were carried around in, in wood barrels and right. a, lot of, a lot of technology has changed. Uh, and, and I'll get to that a little bit with regards to the, to the recreation of the recipe, but, yeah, yeah. um, the, they were an incredible, uh, story. And then prohibition pretty much shut down the brewery. They tried to pivot a little bit and go into canning pop, soda pop. And they were the ones that had the first oil can where you punch the, you, you right. know, used to have an oil can that you punch the top in on. They were they were the guys that created that. They did a lot of work, really you know, early pioneering work on the use of aluminum cans for beer. And uh, it's it's a really cool story. And and we were Paul and and Mark uh, um, approached us about wanting to see if Blacktooth had any interest in in bringing that back. And again, for me being a Sheridan guy, it was. Absolutely, a hundred percent something oh, yeah. that we wanted to do. If 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 anybody was going to do it, it was going to be Black Tooth that brought Absolutely. it back, and, and they felt the same way about it. And so we we sat down and talked a little bit about what the recipe was. They had a uh, another guy, a very very qualified home brewer that was doing some piloting of of that style and had done some homework on the original recipe and and uh, some of the stuff that was there. And, and truly, after eighty years of absence, there was no way you could tell if that beer tasted like the previous one. Right. More importantly, the way that you generate or, or uh, grow harvest materials is different. Hop varietals have changed. Water profiles different. A lot of the things that makes our beer unique and exceptional are, are, are no longer the case. We're, we're the case back then. Filtration, yeah. again, water source, things of that nature that are, are really inherent in, in making beer in shared Wyoming weren't the same 80 years ago. So, uh, we tried to choose a, a historic style um, that was similar to the to the style that that Sheridan beer was, Sheridan Export was, and uh, we feel like we got pretty close. The Dimples feel like we got pretty close, but it's all done on an automated system. Yeah, ingredients that are you know procured far differently than they were back then. We have refrigeration, which which helps substantially in retaining the quality of the yep. beers. Uh, carbonation, things of that nature, yes. are, yep. are a little different. So. Um, really it was about bringing back the brand and the idea of Sheridan Brewing Company. There's a lot of folks that are very um, adamant and, and passionate about 
saving some of that logo and the t-shirts and hats and coasters and beer cans. I mean, we've had so many guys come in here with Sheridan beer memorabilia, uh, which is awesome. I, it's, it's really cool. And I've, I've talked to the Dimples a lot about those guys being in the brand business as opposed to the beer business. And yep. it's great to have a product that they can associate with that great brand. And we're flattered again to be part of that historical uh, recreation of, of a, of a product that was so unique and, and such a staple and shared in Wyoming. So uh, we're again, yeah. flattered to be a part of it. And, and those guys have been great, but it's a, it's a cool, cool project. They, they, yeah. Everybody asked when we're going to put it into cans and <laughs> that's been talked about a lot. I know the oh, temples yeah. would like us to have that. Uh, the problem is aluminum allocation is really difficult. <laughs> uh, and we've only got so many aluminum cans right. that we've contracted for. And we have our brands and our identity that we need to continue to grow yep. and evolve with. So it's it's difficult to take a non-Black Tooth branded product and put it in the market when you're probably going to run out of aluminum anyway. So <laughs> um, it's that's the beer business. That's not the brand business. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of, I think it's um, also being shared in guys, Zach. I, I think just keeping it local I, I you know i know that they probably would like to yep. you know uh expand it out but i think it's kind of cool like just keep it in sheridan i think that's yeah. a cool history and actually we were in um mark kenner's man cave yeah. and he had tons of sheridan, sheridan beer, beer stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so anybody it, that's followed the history or been in this community for any length of time knows what the brand looks like knows where the brewery was at understands the history uh, and the story behind the Sheridan brewery. So it's, uh, it's cool. My father was one of those guys. He's got a lot of that yeah. s- archive stuff hanging <laughs> around. And it's cool. awesome. I mean, I, yeah. he filled my office with it when we were, uh, when we started the brewery, like, Hey, you should have all these cool relics, can openers and cans right. and tap handles. <laughs> what? Okay. We'll take it. Um, what um, you kind of mentioned and you can just do it briefly or you can go in depth. I don't care. Um, what what makes the Sheridan beer, you know, compared to the other Blacktooth line, what makes it kind of, you know, like you said, there's a lot of things that change that we can't sure. like replicate it. But what are some of the historic things that you guys are able to do for that that beer? So the one of the there's a there's a very significant separation between the two. One of the things that Sheridan export was was a lager and lagers take a, a lot longer time to produce. OK, so. Lagers ferment at a colder temperature for an extended period of time. From the day of brew, brew day to packaging day, you're probably talking about 30 to 45 days minimum oh, wow. for that process to take place. Whereas an ale, which is a top fermenting yeast, you can typically do between you know 8 to 10 days. So okay. in the middle of July, when your production is at its peak and every one of your fermenters is full, it's very difficult to put a lager in there at an extended period of time, right. it really breaks your production curve. So the, the Sheridan beer historically was a lager. Uh, Clay, our head brewer, did a lot of homework and a lot of piloting. This is a beer that we piloted seven or eight times before we actually felt like we had it right. But he took a ale yeast strain that mimics the characteristics of a lager. And uh, you get a lot of different um, flavor variations between lagers and, and ales. And right. We tried to mimic as much as we could of a, of a ale or a lager profile, even though it was a ale fermentation. So, um, again, the, the historic style was called Hellas lager, which is a very broad, even, uh, you know, you're drinking it. Tell me, tell me what you think of it. <laughs> this guy hasn't said much over here. Yeah. It's a bobcat. I'm putting him on the spot. Yeah, do, yeah do it. It should be clean. It should be yeah. light. Yeah, very crisp. Be, yeah. Sometimes you get things like green apple out okay. of a, out of a lager and huh. in the in the aroma. Sure. Um, that's not a characteristic you necessarily want, but it's it's uh, it's a it's a characteristic that's appealing in the right quantity. Okay. So gotcha. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Are yeah. you asking a more specific question about no, the style? No, or? that was that was great. No, and and it puts into perspective. You said in before prohibition they were almost. Now you're like thinking like, you know, with yeah. technology and they're fermenting for about 30, 40, like that's oh, crazy. crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, there must've been no one else brewing beer yeah. in, the, in the late 1890s, 1900, 1910, that 30 year stretch, they had to be the only game in town. Yeah. Had yeah. to be. only be the only game in the state probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you imagine wheeling, whether it be horse drawn or otherwise? <laughs> 
wooden kegs of beer to Cheyenne. I mean, <laughs> it takes me four hours to get there in my truck. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. It's a challenge at times. Yep. I can't imagine on a horse-drawn <laughs> car with beer kegs bouncing around yeah. for three days to get down there. Yep. It's nuts. <laughs> I don't well, know how far their stretch was at that time yeah. or how big Sheridan was at that time, but 60,000 barrels is an awful lot of beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and they're probably, you know, maybe they were going South Dakota, North Dakota, Perhaps. Yeah. You know, Montana. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, you hit on it a little bit, you know, your guys' growth. Um, talk about um, what was the thought process, and maybe it was maybe a distribution thing of moving to Cheyenne. Sure. So we had a lot of fundamental conversation about what what did Blacktooth want to look like in in 12 months, in three years and in 10 years. And one of the things that we really felt like we were going to struggle with was continue to add velocity to our brand the further away from from Sheridan that we got. So we made a fundamental decision to refocus our resources, refocus our attention on the borders of Wyoming. And, and now everybody else is trying to do the same thing. Like we got to quit going out so far and chasing rainbows and unicorns in faraway <laughs> places. Um, we were, we were again a bit pioneering forthright in terms of, of uh, our desire to, to get back to Wyoming. And when you look at the state of Wyoming demographically, Cheyenne's the largest city. Yep. It's right on the Colorado border. There's a military base there. There's 70,000 people with, when you incorporate the base and it's the capital. Yep. If you're going to be, Again, as a as a theme, uh, an iconic Wyoming brand, you better have a presence in the capital. You better have a presence in the largest city, and it better be something very comparable to what you do on the north end of the state, uh, up here in Sheridan. So, right. uh, we found a really cool piece of property um, in, in a very emerging development in downtown Cheyenne that they refer to as the West Edge. Uh, they redid this old parking lot area right across from City Hall. Funny. We're literally about the same number of square feet from City Hall in Cheyenne as we are in Sheridan. It's, <laughs> it's remarkable how, and the building looks exactly the same. There's a 45 degree angle. It's on a corner. It's about the same amount of square feet that we bought originally here. Uh, it's a it, Cheyenne just made a lot of sense. There wasn't anybody in Cheyenne that was uh, exceptional. I think there's a couple of good breweries in Cheyenne. Uh, accomplice is a portion of the of the ribbon right. shop house's brand and and they make good beer uh freedom's edge is a small little brewery downtown on main street or on lincoln way they make good beer uh daniel marks they, the one thing that was that struck me was their beers were never exceptional they were good they were certainly adequate nobody had made bad beer uh, but they were also really constrained in terms of their ability to scale one of the things that this this business requires is your ability to expand yep. your ability to grow so that your overall cost of goods and your efficiencies go up as you build and, and produce more beer. And none sure. of those guys, I mean, Daniel Marks is in this cool little house, but it's a living room and a garage. Oh, geez. And that's their brewery. And I'm like, there's no way these guys can scale unless they completely go to another location. And yeah. I just, you know, sometimes you, you can see again, there's, there's two schools of thought. There's some guys that have grown up as home brewers they want to chase their passion as commercial brewers. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that model. It's different than trying to chase or grow a commercial entity that's going to have, at this point, 51 employees and, and produce eight or 9,000 barrels of beer. So um, it, it, I saw us having a, an, op an opportunity or an opening to be a commercial brewery in downtown Cheyenne. So we invested heavily and uh, it's been great. I mean, I've all things considered COVID and shutdowns and restrictions and social distancing, no frontier days. I mean, you can't ask for a worse time <laughs> to open, open up, up a, yep. a, 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 some sort of social business that demands that you put people in close proximity to one another. Yeah. But right. we've been good. It's exceeded my expectations. We're actually pretty close to what we should have been in my mind in terms of business planning, even, even with all that stuff going on. So I'm extremely uh, hopeful of the future of Cheyenne as we get into more more normal conditions. So, right. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to ask you about. This is an awesome spot here downtown in Sheridan, and uh, sounds like it too in Cheyenne. So hoping this summer, you know, rodeos and all that are able to function. What kind of stuff do you guys hope to do uh, to kind of utilize this space and draw people in and sure. take advantage of the season? Well, we we were known. Uh, our former general manager Jesse Woods had been here for nine years, and he ran off to 
greener pastures and we're happy for him. Excited, but um, not in the brewing business. That wouldn't have that wouldn't have made me happy. <laughs> he, he's off at the Flying H. Uh, working for the the polo guys, yeah, I'm yeah. sure having a ball. So, um, one of the things that he was exceptional at was generating events. Mm-hmm. We would shut down the street. We would have live music. He brought in like the the Bighorn Trail Run packet pickup here. We closed down the street for that. We were a portion of ski joring. Um, we were instrumental in getting that to be on Broadway between here and Luminous. Uh, as a uh, Broadway is the right street to do that on. Yeah. Um, and and drew through shared and travel and tourism and Sean Parker's efforts drew a significant crowd down here. I mean, literally two weeks before the the shutdown of COVID, we had 10,000 people in front of the brewery. So that's what we do. I mean, it it was, it was two of the most incredible February days we'll ever have and maybe ever have again, but um, drawing a crowd and having a large number of people in and around this space, both inside and outside is, is what we've done. Um, and when you have an event like the Sheridan Wild Rodeo or Ski Joring or Frontier Days, if we're in Cheyenne, uh, people want to be a part of that event and part yeah. of that atmosphere. So we've always kind of positioned ourselves as a cornerstone of downtown. And, mm-hmm. and it's important to find locations that are in cornerstones of downtown and, and developing areas. This was a really tough stretch of, of real estate back in 2010. Yeah. I mean, there was vacancies up and down both sides. It was really shared commercial, and that was it for mm-hmm. a block in either direction. The college, I guess, was was in the spot that they're in now across the street. But um, we were first to that that space, and oftentimes guys come in here and say, man, how did you manage to wrestle this piece of property away? I'm, well, it had been vacant for about 800 days when I picked it up, so it wasn't, oh, wow. it wasn't a hard wrestle. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it was seeing something that maybe wasn't there for anyone else or anyone else's model right. that worked. And similarly, similarly in Cheyenne, we took over the Pioneer Printing Building, uh, which was at the time of its closure. It closed, I want to say, a, a year, 18 months before we ended up acquiring the property. But at the time of its closure was the longest functioning business in Wyoming. Wow. Wasn't the first business in Wyoming, but it had the longest run right. of, of continual open opening uh, in the state of Wyoming. So it's, a, again, a bit of a historic site. It was a, originally an old auto garage, just like this one. It was built in 1948. This building was built in 1946. There is some language or historical documents that indicate perhaps both of them were Nash dealerships originally. This one became a Dodge dealership. That one became something else. But uh, Nash was an auto dealer for auto supplier for yeah 10 years, maybe. It was a pretty <laughs> short run for them. But the, uh, the, the style of brick, the trusses, the 45 on a corner, all of that stuff was extremely similar. When I walked into that building, it was unbelievably clear to me that th- it was the right spot. Yeah. I, so, I'll <laughs> little little uh you might not know this but uh we were on a coaching clinic because i help up with the high school and we were in Greeley, so we were coming our way back through cheyenne and we stopped because one of the coaches as you probably know is with uh, a banking agency um, <laughs> and he didn't tell us what we were doing but we were you know on this west edge and we're like we're taking a stop and he's looking at the property and i'm like that looks eerily familiar to Blacktooth, you know, um, and oddly enough, it is. And it's just like it's kind yeah. of fun, like uh, as you guys hear Tim talk, like it literally like I haven't been to the tap room yet. But like when I saw it, I was like, that looks almost like yeah. you couldn't it, it, like seriously, like <laughs> yeah. it looks exactly the same. It's on a corner. It's brick. <laughs> You're just like, what is going on? There's parking lots there. Like, it's just wild. Yeah, it's. We added double doors to the front of it, just okay. like we added double doors to the front of this one. Sure. Originally, those were just forty fives on the on the storefront. Um, but yeah, it's if you if you actually measure from the double doors to the garage door, which is was already there, it was closed off. But right. when we went in, I said, that "Looks like an old garage door," and, and it, it absolutely was an old garage door. <laughs> so when you measure from the double doors to the garage door, they're like it's like two feet longer. Oh my goodness! In Cheyenne, than it is in Sheridan <laughs> yeah. on the exact same side yep. of the building facing. The West, just like this one. Yeah. Wow. So you're so. just like, yep, done deal in that one. <laughs> we um, didn't have a choice. We had <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I just had a question. Zach, do you have? Um, no, it's, it's just funny how that works out, kind of serendipitous or whatever you, you want to call it. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it was it, when we walked into that building and walked in, um, it, it was part of a much larger piece of property for sale. There was actually 25,000 square feet there. 
And the, the gentleman that had owned Pioneer Printing had two other 8,500 8, square foot lots that were next to it or adjacent properties right. as you go down the block. And we actually approached him and said, hey, there's no way we can make this work with 25,000 square feet. Would you be willing to condo it out and sell us just that corner third? And there's also a, uh, a vacant lot across from it that we utilize for parking. And he owned it as well. So he said, yeah, man, I need to. I need to make a move on this thing. Let's see if we can get some velocity on this corner of, of uh, 19th and O'Neill. That's actually the name of the LLC because it was the only thing I knew at the time. I didn't know who was in, who was out, what we were going to do. <laughs> the only thing I knew is that that building I was going to buy needed an LLC. And it, the only thing I knew for sure was always going to be at the corner of 19th and O'Neill. So that's nice. why we made that the, the LLC name. But um, we had a group of guys that invested in the property along with myself couple of the owners of, of Blacktooth um, that invested in the property and did the improvements and then lease it back to the to the company that's here. Right. So we we've always been very closely held as a as a company, but we've had other people that have invested in Blacktooth in different capacities like the real estate play that we have in, in Cheyenne. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it, when you walked in there, it was very evident. It yeah. was the right spot. Yeah. Um, I think one of my last questions, Zach, because um, I know Tim said he is, oh, he's got a meeting. Okay. Uh, we're, we've still got some good time. Um, you know, so looking towards uh, 2021, um, obviously, you know, like for the Cheyenne tap room, hopefully the frontier days are back, you know, um, obviously for here, hopefully the wild rodeo is back. Um, what are some other, other events that, uh, you guys are maybe looking forward to, um, or, or maybe just, you know, kind of encouragement for people to come down here. Sure. You know, I, I think that trying to plan the calendar and pick events is still going to be driven largely by what you're allowed to do sure. based on restrictions. I don't know that we have a real calendar. We are extremely hopeful and supportive of the rodeo coming back to Sheridan and Frontiers Days coming back to Cheyenne. Uh, I think that those guys made the right decision this year. Um, whether or not it was it, it was done based on what was responsible, not necessarily what was profitable or 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 uh, in the best interest of of being the icon. I mean, this was the first we opened up a new tap room in Cheyenne in the first year in 115. They didn't have frontier right. days. Yeah, good timing, Timmer. <laughs> really <laughs> hit that one out of the park. Right. Um, but again, I think that that if you can do it in a in a difficult economy, and this is probably the most difficult economy anybody's ever seen in terms of this industry and this business. Absolutely. Uh, if you can do it and you can be profitable and you can maintain what your, what your production levels were, uh, I think it's going to become a much easier road. I'm hopeful it becomes a much easier road as things get back to more expected conditions. Um, yeah. I've, we've talked a lot about our, at our leadership team level and, and as a, as an ownership group about, when the clock turns over, not everything is going to change, but what we can control is that we're going to lean into it. We're going to pour the gas to it. We're going to make the decisions that make Blacktooth be in the best position it can be in at the end of 2021. We kind of sat back and let everything come to us in 2020, and that perhaps was the right thing to do. But now you got to go. We're gonna we're gonna pour the coals to it and and try and and you know hit the gas a little bit and, and lean into it. Uh, try and, and and do the things that we've always done well whether that's, you know, interacting with our accounts or doing tap takeovers and tastings and, and trying to do them responsibly and within within the guidelines that have been present. But um, I, I'm i not going to casually sit back and wait and see what 2021 brings because sure. 2021 has been enough sitting around waiting to see what, oh, yeah. what's gonna, what shoe's going to drop next. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to be proactive and, and aggressive and, yeah. and try and, and build a calendar both from our event perspective and our beer calendar perspective that's something we know we can execute well and execute safely and, and try and, and be the best company that we can be in 2021 rather than being a casual observer. Like we've, we've been forced to be in, in 2020. Yeah. I like oh, that. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yep. Zach, do you have anything to add to? No, that's awesome. I think that's a good attitude. And I think everybody should embrace that this year. Go yeah. attack it. You know, I think we, so. we sat it's... on our haunches for too long, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and I think that, I think the general public just as a side note, not brewery related, but the general public's fatigued. I mean, I, yep. I feel yeah. like everybody has felt, that they've done what was responsible and, and what, what was asked of them. And I, I, at some point, and I, it's nothing like the calendar flipping over to put you in a different frame of mind. Uh, I'm hopeful that the guys come out with a, a different, 
uh, different mindset. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I know I will. I know that that our our staff and our company feels very strongly that it's time to. I mean, we just made three new hires. We're going to hire. We hired a new sales and marketing director, a new sales rep, and and we're working on another very big project that I, I can't. I'm not at liberty to, to say much on at this <laughs> point, but we're we're uh, we're weeks away from another big announcement. Awesome, but, awesome. breaking um, news here. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> we're not going to be casually sitting on the yeah. sidelines. It's Good. It's go time, and we're opening the shoot, and Saddle Bronco will be right out, out front. Yeah, I <laughs> love it. Well, and that's, you know, talking with a lot of business owners, I, it, you know, business owners really do have the pulse of the public of, you know, okay, we did everything responsible that you asked of us. And, yep. you know, um, like you said, you guys had a very good year considering all the the things with your Cheyenne tap room in here. And like you kind of said, like, it's go time. Like, yeah. you know, I, I can't, you you know, you can't sit around and just wait anymore. You got to go and um, especially as a business owner, because you just can't, you just can't sit. Yeah. I said, I said to somebody when Cheyenne opened up, they said, how was the grand opening and how, how to go the first week? And I said, it's kind of like the guy drops the the flag and the pace car comes off at the Daytona 500, but you can't take your foot off the parking brake. You got to <laughs> just hold back at 35 right. miles an hour and wait to see what happens. It was miserable. I right. Know. You know, I, it was what was right. It was what responsible. Right. We we've got great relationships with the county health official here and and in Cheyenne. And we've I feel like we've been at the forefront of trying to do it responsibly. Um, we've been asked to be in that role. You know, if you're the if you're the bell cow that begs for a variance, you better play by the rules. Yep. <laughs> so um, we we try to do those things, and we'll always try to do those things. That's that's part of being community oriented and 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 trying to. We'll be, the, be the brand. Yeah. yeah, be yeah. the Wyoming brand of breweries, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, Charlie, do you have anything to you want to ask Tim or anything? No? <laughs> I, think, I think I'm good. Thank you. Charlie's been quiet over there in the corner running the, <laughs> running the board. Yeah, he's, he's doing great. No, it's, That's he's, usually where you see him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about you guys' podcast. I Thank know you. this is fairly early in the, in the effort, but I... I think it's cool. If there's something we can do, you guys want to host another one that doesn't involve me or involves one of my staff. I we'd love to have you in here again. Awesome, and, absolutely. And, we'll right. take we'll Best take luck with take you. you up on that offer. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> the beers will always be cold here. Absolutely. Well, Tim, they may have to be Pilsner. Okay, yeah, 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 I was yeah, gonna yeah. say let's take go get a Pilsner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, a Pilsner. Tim, thank you for your time and uh, thank you for letting us sit in your Sheridan Tap Room and uh, that that was another episode of Go Be Wyoming. Yeah, you bet. Best of luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Did I talk too much? No, that was oh, perfect. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>